0: Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. This ministry desires to help people know and live for Christ through the preaching of God's Word. And now today's message. All right. Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning at Schofield Community Chapel. My name is Chaplain Dan Braswell. We are so glad that that you are here. What a what a great morning of worship. And by the way. Uh, Pray for uh, our our band always, what a great team, but also specifically um, Joshua Aller is PCSing and he'll be heading to Fort Stewart, the young man who was up here on acoustic and leading us in this awesome time of worship. Pray for him as he he transitions and PCSs. As we say, uh, we try to say it week after week, we're a a congregation where a bunch of y'all just got here, a bunch of y'all are about to leave, and the rest of us are somewhere in the middle. While we're here together, I'm so glad we could, we could be a military family, but also be God's family. Amen. Well, we're excited today. Our chapel team is very excited because we're starting a new series. If you have your Bible, I hope that you do. I invite you to turn to Psalm chapter number one as we start our new series in the Psalms. Psalm chapter one, as we look at the new series, songs that we still need to sing. Songs that we still need to sing. As uh, Joshua was leading a worship today, he, he, he made a point that uh, the last song that we just sang, we sing a lot in chapel. I don't know about you, but when I get familiar with a song, I enjoy it and I'm singing it. But that's true of a lot of songs. There are songs that I'll bet you most of the people in this room probably know because music gets put gets put in our hearts and it gets put in our minds. And, we, and it's catchy sometimes. And we just simply uh, remember those things. I say that because as we get ready to go through the psalm series, I want you to note that the psalms in the Old Testament, think of it as like the hymn book for God's people, the song book for God's people. Even as you read through the songs, there, psalms, there are musical terms in there. There are, there are notes that annotate, hey, this is to be sung by the choir. This is to be sung by the congregation. I say that to say that we, these are songs, these are the truths of the psalms need to be put in our hearts. There are many of those songs in pop culture that, that people know. The, the, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you know this one. If there's something strange in the neighborhood, who are you going to call? Point proven, right? You, well, how do we know these types of songs? I can't help but think about just, just last month at the 4th of July concert. I was there. Uh, Like many of you were and a group called the Plain White Tees was there and they sang all their songs. And man, they got to that one that some of y'all know all too well. Hey, there, Delilah. Y'all sang great this morning and it was great heartfelt worship to the Lord. But multiply that by a whole bunch of people and they were just screaming. Hey, there, Delilah at the top of their lungs. Why? Because it's a song. It's a song that that they know what I hope. And what we all as a chapel team hope and pray as we go through this psalm series is that you and I learn the psalms. I highly encourage you, by the way, if you listen to Christian music, you'll note a lot of a lot of the lyrics are coming from the psalms. So music is a great way to learn scripture. Music is a great way to teach scripture to your children. But I hope as we go through this series, we learn that just like this one today is one of the many songs we still need to sing The songs that are in the book of Psalms are hymns, are songs that you and I still need in our hearts. We still need in our lives. When you read through the Psalms, you'll hear this in the next several weeks, probably more than one time. But there are different types of Psalms. Today, we're going to start appropriately with Psalm chapter one, and it is what what some would call a wisdom Psalm. It's going to talk about the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And that's what we're going to be at today. There are many Psalms that are Psalms of Thanksgiving or what some would call psalms of praise where it is it is by the way there's many authors many of them are written by David but there's other there's other authors as well many of them are just simply praises to the Lord for example if you go to the end of the psalms starting at about psalm 150 about 1 or excuse me 146 to 150 it's just a straight line of psalms that are that are praising the Lord there are some songs that are, that are thanksgiving, that, that tell of what God has done in the past. So they're thanksgiving. Some of them are communal, meaning the idea is the song is all the congregation and all the nation of Israel singing about the greatness and the goodness of God. Some of them are individual. Some of them are what we call psalms of repentance, where, where, where David says, you know, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit in me. Some of the songs call us to repentance. Many of the Psalms are what we call laments. I love the laments. And the laments are gut-wrenching honesty to God. You ever ask somebody how they're doing and they just say, oh, I'm fine. But you know they're not doing fine. Well, the total opposite of that is these laments that say things in gut-wrenching, honest anger to God, like, oh, God, I wish you would just kill all my enemies. Oh, God, I can't stand my enemies. I wish all their children would be bashed against a rock. I'm not making that stuff up. You can read it in the Psalms. It is many times gut-wrenching honesty, which, by the way, God's big and he can take. And God uses those things, the laments, to help us in our darkest hours. So that's just a a foretaste of some of the types of things we're going to be looking at uh, in the next in the next series as we look at Psalm chapter one uh, together. This psalm in particular is going to talk about the idea is there are two ways. There's the way of the righteous and there's a way of the wicked, sort of like the idea of a fork in the road. That phrase, by the way, fork in the road, comes from a famous baseball player. His name was uh, Yogi Berra. How many ever heard of Yogi Berra? Most of us have. Some of y'all can Google him uh, later. It won't won't take long uh, to to look him up. Yogi Berra was a a baseball player, one of the greatest catchers of all time in baseball. He was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. He was a 15-time All-Star. He was American League MVP three times. He played in the World Series 14 times with the New York Yankees. Particular to our congregation, uh, it's important to know that he also served in the military, joined the Navy at 18 years old, and he participated in the D Day invasion at Omaha Beach. It's a pretty cool guy with, a, with a, great, a great history. Well, another thing that he was known for over the years is he had these funny, sort of pithy sayings that began to be known as yogiisms. So, this morning, as we think about getting ready for this psalm, I want to share some of Yogi Berra's words of wisdom. Here's some of the things that Yogi Berra says. One is this. He said, it ain't over till it's what? Some of y'all even know him, even if whether or not you knew it was from Yogi. It ain't over till it's over. One time being questioned on something he said when interviewed, he said, I really didn't say everything I said. That sounds more like a politician, doesn't it? He, He gave this advice to people. He said, never answer an anonymous letter. Don't answer anonymous letters. How, how would you answer an anonymous letter? He said it usually takes a two-hour nap between 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. every day. Do the, do the math. A lady one time, Yogi Berra, was wearing sunglasses, and a lady said, Yogi, you look cool. And he replied, you don't look so hot yourself. Don't try that one at home. That's not good. But he also made this great statement. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. Take it. Well, What I want to share right out the bat is that when we read this psalm, it is very much a psalm of the two ways. There's the way of the righteous and there's the way of the wicked. One of the questions that chaplains and pastors get asked often is, is what is God's will for my life? I want to submit to you that there's a lot about God's will in this passage that that, that he's already revealed to us. God is, is making it very clear to us that he is calling us on the path of the righteous and not the path of the wicked. I realize that there's a lot of those big decisions that we make. Things like things like what is my next career path? Where will I go to school? Some of you are who are children. You're, you're going to start school next week. Right. And you probably really don't have a choice, but you're going to go as you get older. You can decide if you want to go to school or not. Unless you're in the military and then sometimes they decide for you that you're going to go to school. Am I going to go to school? Where am I going to go to school? For some of you, it's am I going to get married? we got a lot of single folks in here. Another question is, who am I going to marry? Will I have children? How many children will I have? Some of those are the kinds of questions that we all struggle with. But I want to say this. When we talk about this fork in the road, so to speak, I want you to understand from the get go that God is calling us down the path of righteousness. And that is God's will for our life for sure. With that said, I want to say this. You cannot do the will of God while you're breaking the word of God. You, you cannot do the will of God without breaking the word of God. It is while, while breaking the word of God. It is one thing to say I want to know God's will. It's quite another thing to say I'm going to obey God's will. With that said, I want to read this passage together and I want you to keep your Bibles or your your phones open to it because we're going to look back to it all throughout this morning. So beginning in verse one, let's read the entire psalm together uh, right now. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked Verse four, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Psalm chapter one, one of those psalms that we still need to sing. That is a psalm that contains truth that we still need in our lives uh, today. The way that we know that we're walking in God's path is, I want to share three things from this psalm with you. And point number one is this. Point number one is don't even go there. Point number one is don't even go there. I want you to notice in verse one this progression. He says, first of all, blessed is the man that is happy, that is, that is blessed, is this person who, who does three things. And he says it in a negative he he says, he says it in terms of three negatives of, of what I would call descending tragedy. Notice it's who doesn't walk. In the council of the wicked, but then notice the walk turns into a they stop walking and they stand. You see that stand in the way of sinners. And then you notice sits in the seat of scoffers. Uh, the idea is it's the habits of this person's life. Walk, stand and sit. Don't walk. Don't stand. Don't sit in what? Well, in the counsel of the wicked, in the path of the sinners, in the seat of the scoffers, the, the people, the people that the people that you listen to, the, the company you keep. On the first Sunday of the month, we all stay together but so we can have communion together as a family. So our boys and girls are in here. Hey, boys and girls. This week, guess what? Many of you are going to go back to school and, and you're going to talk to other, to other boys and girls or other young men and young women. And you're going to find people who do exactly what this passage is talking about. You're going to you're going to find yourself around people who are doing wicked things, who are doing bad things. My urge to you is don't even go there. My urge to you is don't even go there. Some 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 of our boys and girls, I've heard I've heard I've heard you parents. All my children are older, but I've heard you parents share about your children playing in the neighborhood and you have to remind them hey there are people out there who, who have bad counsel there 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 are other people who are doing bad things don't even go there St- stay away from that so the question then is how do we how, how do how do we how do we do that it's very simple be careful be careful when we talk about walking be careful where we walk uh, be careful where we go be careful what Advice we listen to, guess what, for children and for adults, not all advice is good advice, is it? Not all advice is godly advice. There's bad counsel all around us. We're all too familiar with that, aren't we? We live in a world where the counsel is abortion is just birth control. That's the counsel of the day instead of what the Bible says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God knit each one of us in our mother's womb. That's bad. That's ungodly counsel. We have the ungodly counsel of of people, people who go around saying things like I can choose my own gender instead of what's the Bible say. God made man in his own image, male and female. He created them. When God said that thousands of years ago, that hasn't changed since then. There's bad counsel. I can be free to be me and I can have we have everybody in the room together. So follow what I'm saying. I can have relations with whoever I want to. Instead of what the Bible says is marriages between one man and one woman for one lifetime. Now, I say all that as we recognize that as bad counsel. And I imagine in our audience today, most of y'all are like, yes, yes, amen. You can check all those blocks and say, yes, I believe the Bible. Well, I'm glad that you do. However, I want to take it a step further. Sometimes that bad counsel isn't those big moral ills of the day, although they are, they are wicked. Sometimes... It's us just simply walking down that road and listening to something that we know is not exactly right. Repeating that joke that we know we shouldn't tell. Being mean or, 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 being, or being ugly to someone that we know God doesn't call us to be that way. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Here's what happens sometimes. See if this sounds familiar. Many times there'll be someone who's trying to uh, contemplate doing something or making a decision. And they know in their heart, because we're all made in God's image and God places his law in our heart. The Bible says. That the person knows it's wrong and they'll come to somebody and they'll get counsel and they'll maybe maybe let's let's use me. They'll come to a chaplain. Hey, chaplain, I'm looking at doing this and I listen and in my mind, I'm like, ooh, and then they finally ask me, what should I do? And I say what this passage says. and I say, who don't even go there, man, I love you. I don't I don't want to see you go down this road. This is a this is the wicked way. Don't do it. And what happens sometimes? Sometimes that person will go to another person and maybe it's one of y'all and y'all tell them the same thing. and, and And they go, oh, that's what my chaplain said. And then maybe they call grandma from back home. And man, grandma sounds just like the chaplain, almost like they're all reading the same book, you know, like, yeah, this is God's plan. But if you keep going around for counsel, you know what you'll eventually find? You'll find somebody who agrees with what you're really in your heart wanting to do, and that's do the wrong thing. So sometimes this council looks like that as we walk. So be careful where you walk. Don't even go there. Don't even go. But notice it also says don't stand with the sinners. Notice, notice the progression here. It started with a walk. They're walking along that council and they're listening to the council but then instead of continuing to walk, what do they do? They stop and they stand in it for a little bit. And that makes it even a little easier to go down that path because now they're standing and they're thinking about it. Years ago when I served as associate pastor at a church, we had a little private school at our, that met in our building. It wasn't our school, but, but they used the facility. And in those days, this is actually pre cheryl so it's like, eighteen years ago at this point, 20 years ago, we weren't married. And my the parsonage was right across the street from the house. And every morning I'd go across and, and, and get ready for my day. But I'd see all the I'd see all the boys and girls and I'd see the moms and the dads dropping their children off for school. There was this one lady, she was she was like the quintessential soccer mom lady. She had this monster van that I felt like twenty kids got out of every day. And she would always come every day and she'd leave her van running because she'd get out, and she'd say, I'm in such a hurry. I've got so much to do. And then I'd come across, and I'd have my coffee in my hand, and I'd say, hey, good morning. I can't remember her name now, if I, if, I, if I could tell you. I don't know. And she said, oh, good morning, Mr. Pastor Dan. I've got a busy day. I'm like, okay. And I'd go to the office, and about 20 minutes later, I'd come back out, and guess what? She's still standing there, because another thing about this lady, she loved to talk to every single person there. So she would stand there for like half an hour talking to everybody, telling, telling them, how busy of a day she had, and, and she would do that every day. Well, that's fine if you want to talk to somebody for 30 minutes. There's no there's no, there's no, no problem with that. But the reason I say that is I want you to notice that he says it's a progression. It's not just a walk. Just as that lady, she stood there for a while to talk to people. When he talks about going the ungodly way, he's saying the walk becomes a stand, and now we're, we're dialed in to this evil because he says stand in what? In the path. Of sinners those who miss God's mark and, and it becomes not just a walk and a, and a glance it becomes their habit of life don't even go there but notice it also says walk stand and what happens when you sit it means you're gonna stay a little longer You ever been trying to to get away from somebody and then when they sit down, you're like, oh, we're settled in for a while now. No, that's never happened to any of y'all. Maybe I've done it to you. I don't I don't know. But the sitting in this instance is now I'm going to sit with not just not just the council. I've listened to the bad council and then I'm in here with the sinners. But then it takes it a step further. In verse one, he's sitting in in the seat of scoffers. That is that's beyond just doing the act of sin. This is this is the scornful, the mockers. It describes the proud and the self-sufficient who say, I don't need God. I'll live my way. This is to the point where not only are we going down the wicked road, we are now scoffing at the godly. We live in a world that that's that's pretty much there, don't we? We live in a world where who scoffs at the things of God. Oh, you're, you're going to wait until you're married to, 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 to have relations with your wife? That's, that's crazy. That's scoffing. Scoffers are the ones who they've gone down the road so far. They're antagonistic toward the things of God. Let me share a couple of scriptures with you. You can turn if you would like to. I'm going to read them to you. Uh, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 24. I want you to look at that. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 24. Just keep your place in Psalm 1. We'll turn right back. But look at what it says in Proverbs 21, 24. The proud and arrogant person, mocker is his name. See that? And he behaves with insolent fury. There's all this anger. And where is it directed? It's mocking the things of God. That's where this path will take. Take a person. Let me read one more for you. This is earlier in the Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 33 through 35, it says this. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. That sounds just like Psalm 1, verse 34 in Proverbs 3. He mocks proud mockers, but he shows favor to the humble and oppressed. Back to Psalm chapter 1. These people become cynics. Uh, They become a dismisser of God. And the things of God later on in the passage, it talks about the chaff. We'll speak about that in just a minute. They're the chaff that the wind drives away. So point number one is this. Don't even go there. Don't even don't even go there. Before we go to our next point, let me say this. I want you to understand something. As we look at Psalm chapter one, it's important to understand the Bible as a whole. The Bible as a whole teaches us. To don't go down the wicked path, but it also reminds us in Romans chapter 3 verse 23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So in a way, I want you to understand whether you're as old as I am or you're one of our boys and girls in the room. Every one of us has gone down the path of the wicked in some shape, form or fashion. Does that make sense? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's why Jesus Christ came to this earth so that he could save us from our sin. Because you know who, who really could, when we say don't even go there, we all, if we're honest, have to say we've been there. Some of us have to say I've walked, I've stood, I've sat, i, I, I propped up, i laid there forever wallowing in sin. But you know who, who never did? Jesus Christ. He didn't go there because he who knew no sin, Became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So point number one, don't even go there. Jesus didn't. But that's where our salvation comes from is our faith in Jesus Christ. Don't even go there. Point number two. The, the way we go down this righteous path, number two, is to delight in God. To delight in God. Go back to verse number two. It says, but his delight, that is the, the way of the... The blessed man. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. The the godly path, it says no to all these other things, but it says yes to God's word, to delight in it, to take joy in it, to take pleasure in knowing God's word, in living God's word. One of the questions I often like to ask is, Number one, do you go through the word of God? In other words, are you reading the word of God? But a greater question is, does the word of God go through you? Are, are we reading God's word in a way that we delight in it because we love his law, like it says later on in the Psalms, the Torah, the law of the Lord, a synonym for the, for the word of God. We're saying yes to God's word. We're saying yes to God's wisdom. It, it uh, Literally, he meditates on it, the idea of thinking over by talking to himself. He ponders. He weighs it carefully. I point that out because this idea of meditate is not what some of our modern day. I'll just say gobbledygook of meditation that's out there. Some some modern day forms of meditation. There's like I have to empty my mind. Ironically, we call that mindfulness. It sounds more like mindlessness, but that's just Chapman Braswell talking. The meditation here is not clearing my mind and thinking about nothing. He's saying I'm meditating on God's word. It involves me actively engaging and thinking about the Word of God. Does does that make sense? We meditate on it day and night. I can't help, you don't have to turn there, but Joshua 1.8 refers to this earlier on in the Old Testament where Joshua 1.8 says, Keep the book of the law always on your lips, so say it. Meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. We're about a month away from our Awana Children's Ministry starting. I think Aiden said something about that earlier. I don't know if, what you know about the Awana Children's Ministry, but its literal mission is to reach boys and girls with the gospel of Christ and train them to serve him. The core crux of what we do in Awana is we help boys and girls to memorize the Bible. I can't think of a better way to get our children involved in God's word is to use a great opportunity in ministry like Awana to engage uh, getting children to learn the word of God. This person is is preoccupied with the word of God. Notice what it says he's like in verse three. It says he's like a tree planted by streams of water. Wow. That yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Uh, this This meditation, this delighting in God's word, Takes them down the path of the righteous in a way that's like a tree, in, in a way where the leaf stays strong. A, a tree will a tree will die without without water. He he's saying this is like a stream of never ending water. They're just water coming for days and it will remain strong. What does a spiritually prosperous life look like? What is it What does it look like to delight in God? Well, it will be the opposite of what was talked about in, in verse one. It would be to delight in God would be to to listen to godly counsel. In other words, I'm not going to go out and listen to the people who who are ungodly. I'm going to look for the people who are following the Lord to listen to. I'm going to sit with hopeful people. I'm going to study God's word. I'm going to be devoted to God's will. Delight in God. John Piper in his book, Desiring God, said that God is most satisfied in us when we delight ourselves in him. To, to delight in who God is will bring us down this road of, 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 of like the tree who flourishes. By the way, what does the Bible say that Jesus did for us in John 3, 16? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have what? Everlasting life the message of the gospel is just that is that we were sinners but god sent his son jesus christ and by trusting in christ jesus we can be saved that 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 is what we're talking about here when we look at the psalms keep in mind that jesus christ paid the price for us as we live out our christian faith it is our hope and our prayer that we continue to stay away from the wicked life And to walk down this life of delighting in God and this prosperous life. And point number three is this. When we talk about these two paths, the path of the wicked and the path of the righteous, we don't even go there, but we delight in God. But then point number three is this. We ensure that we are walking in God's way. Ensure that you are walking in God's way. Go back to verse number four and see what it says about the wicked one more time in in, in Psalm one, verse four. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. The chaff is the ultimate picture of that which is useless, rootless and and weightless. There's no foundation. There's no there's no substance. During this time period, a very agricultural society uh, during during harvest um, time they saw the corn being threshed and winnowed on the local threshing floor situated on sort of an open site during the winnowing when they're when they when they're doing this process the corn it's still mixed with the broken straw which is called the chaff what they do it's thrown into the wind which separates the heavy grain From the lighter straw. While the good corn stay, because it has substance, it's a little heavier, the chaff is blown away. That's what he means when he says the wicked are like the chaff that the wind drives away. The chaff provides a description of all that was passing and useless. In other words, don't be useless. Don't be a spiritual lightweight. I got any gym folks in here who are always in the gym getting gains? You can look at me and say, I'm definitely not. I don't know how I've, I've decided it doesn't matter how much I lift. I'm, I'm, And this is this is how big I'm getting. But when I hear you folks who like to work out and get big and get bulky and all that good stuff, if one of you goes about a month without working out and, and you see that guy, what do you tell him? Oh, you're looking kind of small because you're not in there getting getting your gains. Nobody wants to be seen as weak in the gym. What I'm going to submit is. I don't want to be a spiritual lightweight. I don't want to be chaff that the wind drives away. Because if I go down this path, by the way, many people who go down the wicked path, they're, they're going, it's going to feel fun for a little bit. But I don't want to go down that path because I don't want to be a spiritual lightweight. I don't want to be weak sauce for God. I, I want to serve God with with my life. I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend. I've been here in Hawaii for three years. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want three years to go by and say I did this, I did this, I did this, and what'd you do for God? Uh, I don't want to be a lightweight. I don't want to be like the chaff. I want to be a part of what God's doing. So, so live the useful life. Live the live live the blessed life. This harkens back to our Philippians study, so many of you will be familiar. How many were here for at least two or more sermons of the Philippians study? Raise your hand. You you heard us talk about Philippians. Oh, yeah. Y'all heard Philippians, heard Philippians. What was one of the major themes we kept coming back to? In all things. And one of the points that we kept making with joy and with with living God's way is that it's not circumstantial. If you go down the road of thinking it's circumstantial, it's not going to work. that's That's not God's way. Well, I think in this passage is pointing out to us that following God's path is not a circumstantial thing having the kind of blessing that this passage is talking about is not a circumstantial thing whether your circumstances are like the end of a Disney high school musical or a movie where everything's candy canes and lollipops and there's not a problem in the world or on the other hand you may be here and you may have been stricken with tragedy upon tragedy upon tragedy. I don't know where you are in the spectrum of circumstances, but I imagine if you're like me, you're somewhere in the middle because those things sort of ebb and flow. Psalm chapter one, when we talk about ensure that you're walking in God's way, it's not so much about you being happy the way the world describes happiness. Uh, the destiny of the righteous in this psalm is to know and be known by God. To enter into relationship with God, drawing life from God and bearing fruit for God. Those of us who go down the path of righteousness, we will not seek in vain. When Jesus, in the, in, the new, in, the, in the Gospels, he said, What? Ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, and the door will be open unto you. This man who is going down the way of the righteous has deep roots that can draw from the water regardless of the circumstances one of the flaws of today's society is that the the wisdom of the day many times is that we can't do anything that gives us standards or guidelines because we need to be free we need to be free Uh, The the cultural myth is the belief that happiness comes from complete freedom. You'll be happy when you answer to no one. You'll be free when you make your own rules. When you define your own meaning, you'll be like a room without a roof. Well, C.S. Lewis said that that is comparable to a fish that decides he wants to be free by escaping the confines of the water. He said when that fish escapes the confines of the water, what happens? Flops out of the ocean. That fish has escaped the confines of the water. But is he happy and is he free? No, because the fish was made for water. You and I were made to follow the Lord. Live the blessed life. Live the hopeful life. Ensure that you're walking in God's Way. notice also it's only two ways there's the righteous road or the ungodly road very similar to what Jesus said many times in the gospels he talked about two ways he talked about two gates remember that he talked about two roads two trees two types of fruit two foundations there's only two routes when you come to the fork in the road that's the righteous road and the ungodly road. The righteous road is God's road. The ungodly road is Satan's road. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the son of man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with his holy Angels, you and I, I hope and pray today, are going to choose the way of the righteous and to ensure we are walking in God's way. The only way that you and I can even begin to be on that road instead of the wicked road is to come to a point in our life when we place our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope that that's something that you've done. And if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior and you have questions about this, one of our chaplains would love to talk to you about that. In just a moment, we're going to take communion. And when we do, we are, we are remembering what Jesus Christ has done for us as we think about walking the righteous life. As I was looking at this Passage. It reminded me of a story that I couldn't help but share with you because it's so powerful in how it depicts God taking us from this wicked road and putting us on the road to righteousness. This story almost uh, is before my time. But in 1983, there was a lady named Carla Faye Tucker and her boyfriend, Danny Garrett. At the time, they were uh, high on drugs. This was in Texas, and they committed a brutal double homicide while trying to steal a motorcycle. 35 days later, they were arrested. They were sentenced to be executed for their heinous crime. Carla Faye Tucker was the first female to be executed, like, in decades in the, in the state of Texas. The, the tragic event in Carla Faye Tucker's life was, was very similar to, to her upbringing. Listen to this. She grew up in a home with parents who constantly fought and eventually divorced. She used drugs for the first time when she was seven years old. By the time she reached the seventh grade, she was using drugs heavily and dropped out of school. By age 14, she followed her mother into prostitution. She married and divorced, continued this downward spiral. While awaiting her trial, check this out, Carla Faye Tucker Someone introduced her to Jesus Christ, and she trusted in him, and she realized that despite her deeds, her lifestyle, and her hardened heart, God still loved her. She began a 14-year odyssey on death row at Mountain View Prison in Gatesville, Texas, and during that time in prison she did a Bible study some of you've probably heard of called Experiencing God. Prison officials for this 14 years credit Carla Faye Tucker for saving two inmates from committing suicide and encouraging numerous, numerous other inmates well, Carla Faye Tucker's case at the time in the 80s gained national attention, and she was interviewed on uh, Larry King Live. Some of you may not remember him, but a famous uh, interview interviewer on national television. At the close of the interview, Larry King said this. He said, finally, you remain up. That is positive. And Carla Tucker said yes. And then Larry King said, can you explain that to me a little more? It can't just be God. And here's what she said. Yes, it can. It's called the joy of the Lord. When you've done something like I've done and you've been forgiven for it and you were loved, that has a way of so changing you. I've experienced real love. I know what forgiveness is even when I've done something horrible. I know this because Jesus forgave me when I accepted what he did on the cross. When I leave here, I'm going to be with him. And they executed her in 1998, the first woman to be executed in in many, many years. And at the end, she said this, I love you all very much. I'll see you all when I get there. I will wait for you. Carla Faye Tucker decided that she would follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and that put her on that path toward him. If you're here today and, and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, I invite you in just a moment to take communion with us where we, where we remember uh, what Christ has done for us. As we take communion, I invite you to think about what path are you on? What path are you on? And may we, as we think about the songs that we still need to sing, may Psalm chapter 1 stir in our hearts for the next several days. And may we find ourselves on the side of the blessed, on the side of the blessed who are following the Lord. I invite our chaplains to come, and I'll pray for us, and then we will take our communion. Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to to know that you loved us enough to send your Son, Jesus Christ. God, you, you provided salvation, and we thank you for that. I pray for your people today. I pray that we would know that we are walking in your way, God, I pray that we would avoid the wicked ways and follow your way. I pray that for our children. I pray that for for every soldier in this room, for every spouse, every, every, every family member. And God, as we take these elements, may we remember this great salvation that you've provided for us through Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.